Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Sunday service. Uh, as we said earlier, we are live streaming from the beautiful Temple of Light at Ananda Village. And we want to thank all of you for joining us in person or online. We also want to thank the musicians and chanters for their beautiful offering this morning. And we want to thank God and Guru for this life they've given us in offering to the divine. So we have a wonderful topic this morning. May not sound, the title may not sound so, but it's very, very relevant to today's world. This is from Ways of the One Light, Weekly Commentaries on the Bible and Bhagavad Gita by Swami Kriyananda. Our topic is, does Satan exist? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The Bible tells us in chapter four of the Gospel of St. Matthew, then after baptism was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. To most modern minds, this passage seems quaintly obsolete. Psychologists would say, have said in fact, that the temptation of Jesus, if it occurred at all, was purely psychological. They call it a projection of desires lurking in his own subconscious mind. The subconscious plays a strong part, certainly, even if not a unique one, in any testing the spiritual seeker must undergo. The Bhagavad Gita, in dealing with this undeniable reality, quotes Arjuna in the third chapter and then Sri Krishna's reply. Yet tell me, teacher, said Arjuna, by what force doth man go to his ill, unwilling, as if one pushed him in that path? Krishna replied, desire it is, passion it is, born of the darknesses, which pushes him, mighty of appetite, sinful, and strong is this, man's enemy. Yet even Krishna describes passion as born of the darknesses. The fact is, as Paramahansa Yogananda wrote in Autobiography of a Yogi, all thoughts vibrate eternally in the cosmos. Thoughts are universally and not individually rooted. A truth cannot be created, but only perceived." End quote. Psychology, yes, but psychology attuned to currents of consciousness that pervade the entire universe, attracted by each of us according to our own personal inclinations. Yogananda, quoted in The Path, said, I used to think Satan was only a human invention, but now I know and add my testimony to that of others who have lived before me, 
that Satan is a reality. He is a universal conscious force whose sole aim is to keep all beings bound to the wheel of delusion, end quote. We should take pains then to attract uplifting currents of universal consciousness and to avoid attracting the negative, which, disease that it is, can infect our thoughts, even while it leads us to believe that our thoughts are purely our own. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. Good morning, friends. I'll start by reading from Whispers from Eternity. These are prayer demands by Yogananda. Beautiful, beautiful prayer demands. This is the demand to be freed from self-created evil habits and temptations. Teach me, O Spirit, to distinguish between my soul's lasting happiness and the temporary pleasures of the senses touch, taste, smell, sight, and hearing. Strengthen my willpower. Teach me not to be enslaved by bad habits. Teach me to be guided only by good habits, formed by good company and meditation. Teach me, above all, to be guided by thy wisdom. Teach me to shun evil by right judgment and discrimination. Teach me willingly to adopt all good ways, influenced only by inner freedom, and not compelled in, into evil by hardened habits. Good prayer demand there. So this is, a, as Davy said, a very interesting topic. Does Satan exist? Well, you know, Let's start maybe with the cosmic aspect of it. What is Satan? Um, so as our teachings tell us, there is only one true consciousness. There's only one consciousness in, in, that exists, and that's the consciousness of God. However you want to term that unity, that consciousness, God, the eternal creator, whatever you want, in terms of terminology, to say there's just one consciousness. And in order to create something that seems to be um, other than unified, God uses the quality of duality. And so this is described in various ways. It's described uh, as the sound of Om, the vibration that creates duality. It's described as light and darkness. But the, in order to bring creation into existence, there has to be duality. And so if we think of consciousness of God as being unity, in order to have a creation, there has to be disunity 
or, or the opposite pole. Well, that's what Satan is. Satan is an aspect of God. Everything is an aspect of God. There, there's nothing either in existence or beyond existence that isn't an aspect of that one consciousness. But in existence, the polarity is that light of God, the unity of God, drawing us into unity. But in order to keep a creation going, there has to be a polar opposite to that, which is the satanic influence. So, so that, that uh, pole of, of duality has to exist. And it goes all the way down to the atomic structure. Um, so here we are in this beautiful temple of light. If this were an atom that we were sitting in, you can imagine that the center of the atom, the nucleus, is, well, let's imagine it to be as big as this glass. And so that sits in the center of this. Well, how do you create space? If it's really all energy, so it's all just an analogy here, so um, bear with me. How do you create space in this analogy? Well, if this is all one thing, there has to be something else. Well, that's created if this is energy. This is energy with a positive charge to it, and then there is energy with the polar opposite, a negative charge to it. And so in this visual analogy, if this is, glass is in the center of, of this dome that we're in, then the negative energy, think of it like uh, about the size of, um, I don't know, mustard seeds. So there are little energy pulses the size of mustard seeds going around the periphery of this, and everything else is space. Now, if that negative energy didn't exist, the space wouldn't exist. So if the negative energy all of a sudden collapsed into the center, into, became unified, in other words, then space wouldn't exist, time wouldn't exist, everything would collapse, and we would go with it, you know? So, <laughs> so we, we wouldn't survive that, that implosion that would happen. Now, oddly enough, we're trying to create that implosion in our consciousness. We're trying to go back to unity, but I'll come to that later. So, <clears throat> so we've got this this polarity that's, that's happening. And so that we're talking here about a positive charge and a negative charge, but that polarity happens on many, many other levels. Also, there's the polarity of light and the absence of light of darkness. There's polarity of love and hate. In fact, most of us know of the teachings that God manifests this universe through eight basic vibrations. And, and for each of those vibrations, light, sound, love, joy, peace, calmness, wisdom, power, for each of those vibrations, there's a polar opposite. So for light, there's darkness. 
For um, wisdom, there's ignorance. For love, there's hate. For peace, there is uh, conflict. For calmness, there is uh, rajasic involvement, and so on. So for each, for existence to exist, for consciousness to exist in the way that we're we're existing in in uh, this kind of manifestation, outward manifestation, there has to be polarity. Now the polarity is also expressed, and this is where it begins to get, I mean, we can talk about atomic structure and uh, negative particles and positive, it doesn't really get to us, does it? But the ego, when we get to the ego, then the ego exists and, and the satanic influence, or one could say that attempt to draw things into manifestation continues to draw the energy uh, into the consciousness of separation. That's what ego is. Ego is the soul thinking that it's separate. Why does it think it's separate? Because in order to have um, a manifestation, it has to think that it's separate. And that's the satanic influence pulling us into that primordial delusion that we're separate. So, so if we think of Satan as this cosmic force, um, probably everybody would accept the fact that, that uh, this polarity exists. But where we come into problems in the age that we live in is when we try to say that that force is conscious. We happen to live in, one might say, a little time period. I think of it as kind of a bubble in which we're kind of like that uh, bird in flight for the first time, you know, that we're going to get to in the festival. And so that bird in flight for the first time um, begins to think that it knows more than it actually does. And so we're in right now, just very recently, like three or 400 years ago that it really started, a scientific uh, revolution. So our means of searching for truth for most people in this age is done through science. It's a good thing, a wonderful thing. Where it errs is that science because it begins by studying the physical manifested universe, it, the material universe, it has the kind of, um, I don't know, delusion one might say, or the, um, the kind of religion that nothing exists except materialism. So science is basically materialistic and um, if you were a professor at Harvard and you were talking about the polarity of the atomic structure, everybody would say, oh, that's perfectly right, of course. If you started talking about the fact that the negative polarity was conscious and was acting in order to keep things separate, 
you would begin to lose your reputation very quickly, and you wouldn't get any more grants. <laughs> and so the scientists currently with the materialistic um, impulse, um, we, the, the, because we're in this little era of time where we think that our discoveries are the ultimate discoveries, then that scientific materialism predisposes most people to think that the consciousness of Satan can't be real. And Satan goes along with this. It's, I mean, he, he likes that. As C.S. Lewis says, you know, um, said that Satan, um, one of his good tricks is when you talk about Satan, you're presented with uh, a red devil with pointy horns and, and odd ears and a tail. And, and you don't see any of those around except on logos here and there. Um, but, but because of that kind of ancient and somewhat absurd image, people reject the idea that a conscious force exists trying to keep us in separation. So that conscious force trying to keep us in separation is the way that God manifests the universe, and it is conscious. And in Jesus's time, everybody understood, of course, the devil exists. I think in another few hundred years, is my guess, science will discover that, th that these seemingly um, cosmic forces are made out of consciousness. And once that discovery becomes universally accepted, then the, the, there will be also the understanding of the polarity being created by a conscious force. One force drawing toward unity, the other force drawing toward disunity. Okay, so as this manifests, what are Satan's tools? How does he keep this going? Well, the first thing is that he creates lack of awareness. And so Swami gives a wonderful lecture on this. But as the unity and absolute awareness of God goes further into manifestation, on the physical plane, and we're just talking about the earth here. First, you have it on the mineral level, and the mineral level has very, very low levels. So God sleeps in the rocks, and so there's not very much awareness. He begins to wake in the plants, and so plants have awareness. There, there's a beautiful awareness in plants. They interact with each other, they interact with us, but they lack mobility and they lack um, a more sophisticated, uh, the senses. Then in the animals, there's more awakening. The five senses are alive uh, as you progress up. And then finally, there's the potential in mankind to come fully awake. But the first thing that we have to work on and it's throughout our teachings, is to increase our awareness. 
And that also means, as Swami ended this, we need to align ourselves with, with those forces that draw us toward unity and disalign ourselves with the forces that draw us toward separation. Well, if lack of awareness is one of the primary forces, then we have to begin to avoid those things that dull our consciousness. And we have to do those things that awaken our consciousness. So that's why Ananda, which is trying to, let's call Ananda a bubble of energy, trying to move us toward unity with God. So within that bubble of energy, we say, let's avoid those things that dull the consciousness. So let's not have drugs. Let's not have alcohol. Let's have a diet that is not tamasic, not, not dulling to the consciousness. And, and so, and then on the other hand, if energy and consciousness go together, let's do those things that create more energy. Let's do the energization exercises. Let's do lots of those things. You know, th this passage from the Bible, it it's a really interesting one. So, so we heard just a little bit of it, but first of all, Jesus was, uh, I'll read it. Jesus was led by spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. So he's just been baptized. So spirit leads him into the desert to be, to be tempted. So obviously that is being done for some part of Jesus's mission. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Well, okay. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now that is a really, really important part of the teachings because Jesus has high consciousness. He's led by, uh, by the satanic force into the desert and the satanic force trying to keep things in separation tries to tempt him by saying, the only way you can continue to exist is if you eat. You're hungry, so you've got to eat. So turn these stones into bread, and then you can eat. Well, Jesus is above that. His consciousness understands that he does not need a material form of energy in order to stay in manifestation. And so he says, I don't need bread. I live by the vibration of prana that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Master said, and I find this fascinating, that when we fast, and I would recommend the process. Some people have an easier time, some people a harder time, but it's not very hard. Davy and I fast one day a week, and um, we've done it for some years now. 
and you could just get used to it. We look forward to our fast day. It's, it's our favorite non-eating day of the week. <laughs> but Master said something fascinating. He said that when you fast, the prana that has come into the body becomes kind of lazy and it becomes dependent on, um, one might say, condensed prana in the form of food uh, to, to um, keep the body alive. But the body does not need food in order to stay alive. And so Master said that by fasting, you force the body and the prana in the body to return back to its original source, which is God coming to us through the medulla oblongata, that prana coming, becoming life force. And so fasting, one could say, is another way of doing energization exercises, because energization exercises are the conscious pulling of energy from the universal source to, one might say, ultimately, to enhance our consciousness, to energize our consciousness so that we become more and more aware. And in that greater awareness, we begin to discover, especially through meditation, that our, our awareness has no ending point. It goes on and on and on until it becomes universal and unified with the only universal thing that exists. So, so energizing the body and avoiding those things that, that um, dull the mind and dull the senses and dull uh, our ability to function is, is one of the ways of aligning. As consciousness increases, so also does the ego begin to lessen its hold. And one of the things that happens is that as our consciousness expands, we begin to feel the reality of other people and the reality of other things. And so the satanic influence wants to keep our sensibility dulled, our, our feeling for other things. What else except the satanic influence would make humanity basically as a whole want to take animals, give them a very unnatural, even um, torturous life, pump them full of chemicals so that we can kill them and eat their dead muscles. Now that seems to me to be a satanic influence trying to dampen down the sensibility of unity. And that's just on the diet level. Look around, we see all of the, all of the th basic things um, that we see in the headlines are the outer manifestation of the lack of sensibility for other people's realities. Warfare, uh, political infighting, uh, 
economic greed, all of those things, uh, uh, negative respect of the environment and creating environmental, um, all of those things are systemic influence that dampens down the ability to be sensitive to the reality of other people and other things. So now we come really to our part. What is our part? If we're trying with Ananda and each individual in Ananda is trying to create a bubble that resists the satanic influences and aligns ourselves, aligns our individual will with the opposite pulling energy of God, of unity, then within that bubble, our job is to do all of those things that can help create unity and avoid those things that create disunity. And so what does that? Uh, the primary thing is love, love and friendship and respect. In the oratorio, um, Swami puts this incident with Christ and Satan into um, into a, a song form. And he's, uh, uh, this is a kind of a little uh, group sings this, but, but uh, one person takes the part of Jesus and he sings this. Get thee behind me, Jesus declared. Satan, know you not our Father offers love in your stead? His gift of love to all is my only food. He is all I own. What does man need but him? So that's the real answer, is that the, the power that pulls us back into unity is the power of love. And the power that pulls us to disunity is the power of non-love or selfish selfish, uh, um, I don't know, self-considerations. We'll hear the little bird say in a little while, um, what else is wisdom if not to keep what is mine for myself? And so Devi reading the affirmation about generosity, Swami says, what else is wisdom except to give away to other people? And so those, see those two polarities. So you and I have to work on increasing all of those things, and there are many, many of them, but all of those things that increase energy in our consciousness and love in our heart. And inside the community, inside this bubble where we're trying to create unity, we have to be careful not to let the satanic influences that are pulling us. Satan is very active in the world today with all of the polarities that go on. We need to resist that. So within our community, we need to function almost purely by love and friendship and respect for each other, support of each other, and to function especially with our love and 
devotion and practices of meditation and the spiritual path given to us by Master, which are meant specifically to pull us away from that satanic influence and align us with the unity of God. And if we keep that bubble strong, then individually we will grow in this environment. But globally, our living a life like this will become a model for the hungry souls that are throughout this world wanting to find answers for today's problems. And those answers are to be found in the consciousness of love and the consciousness of unity. God bless you. grace can bestow if you but reclaim what you've given why not ask of God any wonder you crave worship me to satisfy destroyed in that hour. Throughout all 